Hello, welcome back to another episode of Mitch Media. We're on a glorious Thursday on March 17th, 2020, We are at the very beginning of NFL free agency. A lot of stuff has transpired in the past 24 hours. We're going to be talking about that, especially the Patriots, who spent the most amount of money so far in free agency. We're also going to talk about the Buccaneers and the Browns, as they are my biggest splashes in free agency so far. Then we're going to dive into the NBA, and we're going to talk a little bit about what you're going to see that will change by the end of the year, and things that are probably going to stay the same towards the end of the year. We'll get right into that, but first, let's dive into the New England Patriots, who have spent $273 million over the past 24 hours. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me just catch you guys up. The Patriots have spent uh, this amount of money on guys that they desperately have needed due to a 7-9 disappointing uh, record last year with COVID and all that. They, they missed the playoffs for the first time in over a decade, and it looks like Bill Belichick did not have fun sitting at home. He's decided, let's spend everything we got. And this is some of the moves that they have made so far. They've gone out and got John U. Smith, tight end, uh, four years, $50 million. Hunter Henry, another tight end, three years, $37.5 million. Wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, three years, $22.5 million. Wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, Matthew Judon, who got $56 million. Uh, they re-signed Dietrich Wise. They got um, a couple guys from the line. Uh, Devon Godchuk for $16 million, Henry Anderson. They got the Green Goblin, Jalen Mills, my personal favorite. Four years, $24 million. Re-signed Justin Bethel. They just put a tender on J.C. Jackson. They had interest in A.J. Green. Uh, the, 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 the Patriots are spending money. And as a Patriots fan, um, throughout my life, I have always always been disappointed with them in free agency. We never get guys unless they are traded to us. Um, so just see, just to see the Patriots actually make moves in free agency is big news. But to make to, to get these type of caliber of players, I mean, this is a completely new roster now for the New England Patriots. And to be honest, I did not see this coming. I mean, I had a feeling they were going to spend some money. I think they have the third highest um, salary cap. Um, with I think it was 57 million of open space, and they're using every single bit of it. Um, most of these contracts aren't even—they're not front-loaded; they're all back-loaded. So it, it it just gives us more room to uh, sign more people. Let me tell you, the Patriots had a terrible year last year um, with Cam Newton at the helm. He had he got COVID. So that just dampened it even more. And then on top of it, when he came back, it's not like it was changing anything because you're still throwing to guys like, you know, Myers and Bird. Edelman was out for pretty much the whole year. He got injured in the early part of the year. But now with this new team, the Patriots look like a legit playoff team um, heading into the next season. I don't know if they're still uh, the a I don't know if they're the AFC favorite. I think the Bills still own that title as of right now. The Bills haven't done a whole lot, but I think they, they just added Emmanuel Sanders, which only helps them and it doesn't hurt them. As they lose John Brown and gain Emmanuel Sanders, that's that's a positive right there. 
But it's not like they're they need to go and add people because they they already have a stacked roster to begin with. Um, but to stick to the Patriots, this is something that they've kind of been desperately needing. Um, they really needed weapons. They had no one to throw to. The Patriots drafted two tight ends in the third round last year, and they barely saw any playing time. So with the additions to Hunter, Her- Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, it's already an upgrade. Um, then we get guys like Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. Not the flashiest names, but Nelson Aguilar had a great elite year last year. He was a 1,000-yard receiver. Um, he did very well for John Gruden and Derek Carr in that offense. And I think he's ar- he's already an upgrade from Jacoby Myers and Demetrius Bird. Um, Kendrick Bourne, he's a nice, I want to say he's, um, he's obviously not a first option and he's not really a second option, but he's nice to have in the depth chart. Uh, on Kyle Shanahan's offense, he was used in some, uh, weird packages, but it worked. He was a playmaker for them. Um, in terms of, uh, the offense even more, we did have interest in, uh, the Patriots did have interest in AJ Green. So it tells me that the Pats are not done looking for another receiver. Whether they go draft someone, like say a Waddle or Devontae Smith, uh, or say they go out and sign someone, there's still a ton of names left like Antonio Brown and Sammy Watkins and stuff like that. Um, I think the Patriots made a huge splash, and that's something that you know Patriots fans are not accustomed to seeing. Um as far as you look at them, what this does for them heading into the season, you have to take the Patriots seriously now. You have to take them seriously. They're not just a team that you can just roll over and they're not just going to be a team that, you know, plays great defense and runs the ball. I think with Cam Newton healthy, weapons coming to this team, they are a legit content. or I shouldn't say contender. They're not a contender. They're a legit playoff team. They're a legit wild card team that you have to take seriously. And the schedule isn't that bad. Um, I, I would go through the schedule right now, but it's kind of too early to figure out who, who they're going to beat and not. It's, it's kind of too early to make suggestions like that because we don't the free agency hasn't even passed us yet. We haven't gotten to the draft. Um, but in terms of that, now in terms of that, it leads me to, speaking of the draft, it leads me to it. And I'm getting puzzled here because now I'm I'm kind of thinking to myself, what do the Pagers do now? I mean, they they kind of bolster their defensive line. I mean, they're probably they could definitely use some defensive line help as Chase Winovich hasn't really been the man that everyone thought he was going to be. Um, or or do they go draft a wide receiver like a Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, like I said? Because if they can't find that wide receiver in free agency, then maybe they go draft someone. Or maybe they go out and get another cornerback. If they trade Stephon Gilmore, just use a draft pick to replace him. I know they got Jalen Mills, but he's kind of more of a safety now. Uh, they'll probably use him for cornerback for anywhere in the secondary, I think. Safety and cornerback because you still have Patrick Chung coming back and Devin McCourty back there. Um, or do they get a center now? Because uh, we the Patriots signed Ted Karras today, a center. That we've had before, but he was with the Dolphins last year. We were going to sign David Andrews, but it looks like he's not coming back. And that would that would have been a pretty hefty tag, which I would have been fine paying. He's a he's a Pro Bowler center. Um, I think I I think and now you you look to the Patriots and say, look, maybe we got to draft uh, an offensive line. You know, 
Uh, Trent Brown was a good um, acquisition that they got from the Raiders before free agency hit. But um, uh, there's a hole now in the offensive line. That's at the center position. And with no um, Joe Tooney coming back, maybe that's a hole as well. Who knows? Um, But in terms of other teams making splashes in free agency, I want to give a shout-out to the uh, Cleveland Browns. Boy, the Browns look stacked. If you put a piece of paper in front of me and you gave me all the rosters, the Browns roster looks, to be honest, one of the best rosters in the league. Um, They went out and got um, John Johnson uh, yesterday, a safety that played for the Rams. Um, He's a very underrated safety, and that's exactly what they're missing. They need someone behind Denzel Ward and – Del Pitt. They need guys behind them to cover them. And let me tell you, John Johnson is probably the best safety that you could get in free agency right now. Um, the Browns did release Adrian Claiborne uh, earlier in the year. So they might need a defensive end. But let me tell you, they are not lacking in any position at all. They're also they're actually a legit threat to make this rule bowl. And another uh, offseason, or another free agency move I wanted to... Um, bring to attention was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have made some really good moves by retaining guys like Levante David and Shaq Barrett. They're looking to retain Leonard Fournette. Um, This is a team that really didn't have a lot of cap space to work with, but due to, you know, Tom Brady taking less, they're able to retain these big name guys like Shaq Barrett and Levante David. It's such a good move on their part to retain those two guys specifically because that allows them to retain Chris Godwin. I don't think they need to retain Leonard Fournette or Antonio Brown because you can find maybe cheaper options on options on the market. Um, but the Buccaneers definitely look like a threat to repeat again. Um, they're able to re-sign Rob Gronkowski. They're talking to Ryan Suckup as we speak. Um, this is a team that ultimately looks to get back to um, the Super Bowl. And let me tell you, I don't think there is anything in their way stopping them. Um, NFL free agency has been quite a mess in the past 24 hours. Guys signing left and right. Um, If you just want to get kind of technical, some of the the free agency moves that we have had, I say, recently um, is, you know, Guys like, uh, like I say, Mayo Sanders getting uh, signed with the Bills. Um, we also have guys like um, A.J. Green signing to the Cardinals for $8.5 million, which is very good for Kyler Murray. Uh, we also have, you know, <laughs> Byron Pringle getting tendered by the Chiefs because they can't really do too much, but that's because they uh, signed Joe Tooney to one of the richest contracts for an offensive lineman in NFL history. Um, you know, as before free agency started, they got rid of both Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, two of their, be- two of their best uh, linemen, and they went on and got the best lineman at that position, Joe Tooney. Um, then they got guys like, you know, Miami signing Adam Butler, Lamar Miller, going to the Washington football team. Um, Trent Williams re-signing with the 49ers for $138 million. A free agency has been off the wall and has not disappointed. Free agency has been nothing but slow, as it can only it's only going to progress 
as the days go on and uh, as a Patriots fan, um, I, I think uh, it, it can only get better. I do want to uh, point out before we move on to the NBA, I want to talk about some losers so far in free agency, in my opinion. And one of them happens to be the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks have spent the entire offseason so far with complete rumors of trading Russell Wilson, or no, we're not trading Russell Wilson. And I think they've gotten some heavy heavy flack for it. And the reason why Russ, you know, want, it's not that he wants out, too. I'm not saying he wants out. It's not what he said. But he said, if you were going to trade me, these are the destinations that I want to go to. And the reason why he wants to leave is kind of why Aaron Rodgers is upset with the Packers. They don't cater to their quarterback. And I'd argue the Packers have done poorly in free agency as well. Uh, but first, starting off the Seahawks, Russell Wilson has came out and said, I want, I need protection. I'm getting hit too much. Um, my body is, my body literally cannot take this um, much longer considering I'm getting older. Please protect me. And what have they done so far? They've done absolutely nothing. They have not signed any, they released Carlos Dunlap. That's, that's the biggest news that has came out of Seattle. Um, that's a complete no-go. And if I was Russell Wilson, I'd be very, very mad right now. I'm telling you, I'm the quarterback. I'm telling you what I need for us to succeed, okay? And you're not listening to anything I'm saying. Uh, it's not like they don't have the cap room, because they do. They're not like the New Orleans Saints, who have no cap room. We can't spend at all. Um, as far as the Packers go, I'd argue they're also one of the biggest losers as well. Aaron Rodgers just lost his best all-pro lineman. And the Packers reportedly didn't even make an offer. Not to mention, they've done nothing so far to replace him. Um, also, Aaron Rodgers has begged and begged for weapons. What did they do last year? They drafted Jordan Love with their first-round pick, a quarterback. What have they done this year in free agency? Nothing. They've done nothing so far to... To really help Aaron Rodgers out. And it's not like it's Aaron Rodgers coming out in public and saying, I need weapons. Because I think he's trying to keep it all internally, but everyone can read the room. He's not happy. Um, I just want to say, re-signing Aaron Jones is a good start. But you have A.J. Dillon in the backfield, um, if you're Green Bay, who can pretty much do the same exact thing. Um, sure, he's a weapon, but Aaron Rodgers needs a wide receiver. He doesn't need a running back. He's got A.J. Dillon that they drafted last year. who was a really good prospect, in my opinion. Um, as far as wide receivers go, the market is getting kind of thin. You know, I've said before, that there's Watkins, Antonio Brown. Um, you know, all these guys, some of these guys are still available, but they're not number one targets. If anything, they're like twos and threes which is kind of fine for them because they have Devontae Adams already, but he's just asking for help and they've not, they just have not delivered. And lastly, I want to talk about one of the biggest losers that, uh, so far is, um, quite to be quite frankly, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Juju Smith is a free agent. Okay, that's fine. Bud Dupree is a free agent. Okay, it's fine. Which one are you picking? And so far they haven't done neither. 
Um, the Steelers are in a situation where if they make one or two signings, they are a legit Super Bowl contender. That roster on paper is also filthy. But guess what? You need to retain some of these guys. TJ Watt's nice. But one what's even better when he has help on the other side with Bud Dupree. You know? Uh, Deontay Johnson, he's nice. One what's better? Juju Smith on the other side helping him. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a roster that is a legit Super Bowl contender. And to be honest, if they had better quarterback play towards the end of the season from Ben Roethlisberger, they probably would be... They, they would have got closer to the Super Bowl, no doubt about it. But they, you need to make, they need to do something in free agency to give this team some life. Because that, I think it was what? 8-0 start? Maybe it was 11-0 start? And then they got their loss? And then went downhill from there? They need some life to rejuvenate them back into Super Bowl contention. Coming up! Talking about the NBA. That's right. We're talking about it's the halfway point. What will stay the same for the rest of these games and what will change? That is coming up next on Mitch Media. All right. Welcome back. Now we're on to the NBA. It's kind of boring, you guys, with the NFL stuff, wasn't I? Anyway. To the NBA, we go. Uh, the NBA has had a, so far, kind of a clean season. There have been a couple of hiccups in the beginning of the year. But as of right now, it's kind of been smooth sailing, which is kind of shocking because I thought the All-Star break, there'd be much more of a mess. Uh, only Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid tested negative, but they're fine. They're back playing. Um, what I wanted to talk about, and the NBA is kind of um, different. I want to talk about um, things in the NBA that have happened now but are going to change by the end of the year and things that have happened now that will stay by the end of the year. Um, so, for example, the first thing I want to talk about for things that will change by the end of the year is the Jazz being a title contender. But Mitchell, how can you say this? They're 29-10. and 10. They're the best defensive team in the league, not even the West. Their offense is top 10. They have a bunch of guys that have played together for ye- multiple years. They're all healthy. What? Why are you saying this? I'm saying this because we're already starting to see it. Their last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five. The Jazz have not run into a COVID incident yet. What does that mean? And before I elaborate, kind of ironic, huh? Considering they were the first ones that started it. Um, with Gobert touching all the microphones. Um, they have not had an incident yet. The Celtics have had to deal with COVID issues so far in the beginning of the season. All this is in the beginning of the season, by the way. Um, the Celtics. The Heat. Um, some of the Spurs... Spurs is actually kind of more recently, actually, now that I remember. Um, there's some Dallas Maverick players who have had COVID uh, concerns. Um, there are also incidents on the Minnesota Timberwolves with Cat. You know, 
a lot of these teams so far have already had their um, incident with COVID, and now they're over it. The Jazz have been so lucky. They've been so lucky to not have any problems with COVID. As a matter of fact, they've been so lucky to not have any problems in general. No injuries, right? No injuries, no COVID problems. Um, no rumors of you know guys being traded or guys that are unhappy with the team. They have been so. It's almost too perfect, all right? It's almost too perfect. Um, there, as I look today, their latest injury is one guy and it's Azabuki, who's a rookie, who doesn't see any minutes. Don't get me wrong, the Jazz are a very good team. They're led by Donovan Mitchell, who's having a great year in terms of scoring. He's averaging, I think it's 25 points per game. Um, they're also led by Rudy Gobert, who's probably going to win, who's pro- probably going to win another uh, Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, and they're also led by their point guard, Mike Conley, who they got last year in a trade and was an all-star this year. So what am I trying to say? Is it too good to be true? Yes. One what this reminds me of, ladies and gentlemen. This reminds me of the Atlanta Hawks of 2015. Remember that Mike Budenholzer team? That team where they had, I think, um, for Player of the Month, they had all five starting guys, Al Horford, Damari Carroll, Kyle Korver, Jeff Teague, and um, Paul Millsap. All five guys won Player of the Month or Player of the Week, whatever it was. And then four out of those five guys were all-stars. They had the most all-stars um, that year with four. And they were the number one seed. And everyone's like, oh, my goodness. This, Atlanta, th- th- this is the team. This is the team that is going to beat LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Book it. Put it down. Number one seed. We got the home court advantage. We got the LeBron stopper and Damari Carroll. We got everything to run through the East. And then they met them in the second round. And I think LeBron James beat them in five. Actually, I think he swept them. Oh, <laughs> uh, actually, I, I think he beat them in five. And I, I think that's just me being gracious because I'm pretty sure he swept them. And they, they, he, LeBron James had guys like J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert as sidekicks. He was the only all-star that year. And the Atlanta Hawks had four all-stars. The U- this Utah Jazz team literally feels just like that team. They're led by, you know, probably the minimum, like, like, it. Mike Conley's a good point guard, but he's, like, the very lowest. Of, like, in terms of, if you put a group of all-star, of the all-stars together today, he's the lowest all-star. He's the worst of all the All-Stars. Then they also have Rudy Gobert, a big man, who is kind of irrelevant at this point because he's kind of unplayable the last two minutes of the game, which is kind of the it's it, that that's when money time happens. And then they have Donovan Mitchell, who is a good player. He's a great player, okay? But as of right now, if I was to take Donovan Mitchell and 
he's my. I was if I was to take Donovan Mitchell, I went to say the standings and say right now the the playoffs were locked, right? So I have Donovan Mitchell as the one at the one seed. I don't think he's good enough to beat LeBron, or he's a better star. He he's he doesn't have the star caliber to match up with LeBron, Kawhi or Paul George, Jokic or Jamal Murray. Uh, we saw it last year. Damian Lillard. All those teams, even the Suns with Chris Paul and Devin Book. I I think Donovan, he's a good player. But he's not. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? He's not the guy compared to the other guys. All these other teams have better individuals. So, like, when it comes crunch time and you need that bucket, that ISO one-on-one, go get me a basket, they they are inferior to the other opponent in terms of playoff teams because other guys on other teams can do that better than he can. Too good to be true. They're ta- they have talent, but it's not the talent. It's not the cream of the crop talent, that star guy that you need to win. And to be honest, we're already seeing them collapse. The last 10 games, they lost five. But anyway, I digress. And last, lastly, actually, lastly, I want to say, a lot of people have uh, made comparison to the 2014 Spurs with Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan, Parker Ginobili, Boris Diaw, Tiago Splair, all those guys. They don't. They, I mean, the reason why they're drawing comparisons is because um, they play offense like they do. It's selfish. I mean, it's unselfishness. Um, everyone, everyone's backdoor cutting, setting screens. Everyone's for each other. The ball swings around. There's no isoing. But lest we forget, Greg Popovich is probably the greatest coach of all time, and he was the mastermind behind all of that. Quinn Snyder is a great. Def- I think he's a great defensive coach offensively. I think it's just what can you get me on a night-to-night basis. Yeah, in other words, also, if Royce O'Neal is your you know star stopper, I like to call it, you know, guys that you say, all right, Royce, I don't care what you do, just just go out and stop that guy. Go out and stop LeBron. Go out and stop Kawhi Leonard. You need to find someone else because I don't th- I don't think he's the man for that job. I don't think he's the man for that job. Next. Things that will change, that you see now that will change by the end of the year. The Phoenix Suns. And a lot of you guys are probably going to raise your eyebrows and say, well, of course, the number two seed. I mean, how, how much longer can they keep this up? Exactly. I'm on your side. I'm on your side. Guys who are saying, no, they, they can definitely keep this up. You're probably in the minority. Um... The Phoenix Suns, I love Chris Paul. I love Devin Booker. Those are those two guys are probably um, in my top five favorite guys to watch individually. Like right behind like Lillard and um, Harden. I, I love to watch those two guys work. But let me tell you, their roster isn't enough. They don't have enough. Chris Paul's great. Devin Booker's great. DeAndre Ayton, he's good. He's good as well. When Chris Paul gets him involved, he's good as well. But guess what? Michael Bridges, as good of a season he's having, he's their fourth He's their fourth best player. And sometimes he's their third best player. 
Hey, if my if Michael Bridges is your third best player, then I don't I don't see you being a legit title contender. And that's no slight to Michael Bridges. Where they stand today, they're twenty six and twelve. They're two. They're they're three games behind, two and a half games behind the Utah Jazz. All right. They have pretty good defense. They only let up one hundred and seven points per game. Uh, they score 114 points per game, so their differential is six and a half. Um, I just think they're too young. They're too young. They're that team where that's caught fire and taking the league by surprise. And now it's the second half, and guys are like, "Oh, it's the Suns. All right, let's take them seriously." And you're gonna see them have a, have some trouble on these on some of these nights. Um, Devin Booker, like I said, is great. 25 points per game. Chris Paul's great. One of my, probably my favorite point guard of all time. Uh, DeAndre Ian is also great. But like I said, Michael Bridges is your fourth best guy. And Dario Saric is is your fifth best guy. I don't see you going anywhere. Cameron Johnson's, Cameron Johnson's a good player. But he's too young. Jay Crowder is inconsistent this year. Usually Jay Crowder is on these, you know, playoff teams to be the be the sniper and be be a three and D guy, but this year Jay Crowder has kind of gone a little downhill. This year he's kind of inconsistent with his jumper. You know, at, they're having problems with the five. They brought in Frank Kaminsky to be their small five, and it worked for a little bit. I don't know how much longer it's going to keep up. Um, as far as scoring off the bench, they're trying to find guys. Javon Carter, Etwan Moore. Um, I think Abdul Nader is also on that team as well. They're, they they can't. They they just can't. And what sucks is this is a good low team. But when come playoff times, you have to shrink this down to eight guys. And your eight guys are Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ian, Michael Bridges, Dario Saric, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, and Cameron Payne. Or Frank Kaminsky, however you wanna, you know, toy with it. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe, maybe it's me. But there are plenty. There's more teams in the Western Conference right now that I just like better. You're gonna sit here and tell me the Phoenix Suns are better than the Clippers? No? Tell me. Go ahead, tell me. You're going to sit here and tell me that the Phoenix Suns are better than the Denver Nuggets? No. No, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not going to hear it. You have an argument with the Phoenix Suns being better than the Portland Trailblazers or the Spurs or the Mavericks. You're going to sit here and tell me the Phoenix Suns are better than the Los Angeles Lakers. No. No, 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 no. They're a team that caught the league by surprise. And now everyone's going to take them seriously. And you'll see it. If they finish second in the West, which is where they're slotted at right now, I'll admit them wrong. I'll admit them wrong. But I just don't see it. Next. I wanted to talk about the NBA trade deadline. 
That's right, not a team. I want to talk about the NBA trade deadline. The biggest move we had so far at the NBA trade deadline just happened today, and that's Trevor Ariza being traded to the Heat for My- Myers Leonard in a second-round pick. That's the biggest splash so far that we've had at this trade deadline. Let me tell you, because of COVID, I think I think people are keeping their guys and I don't think they want to bring guys in. In fact, I, I think because of COVID, they're like, hey, it's a weird season. Um, let's try the same group next year and see how it works. And they're kind of being, you know, shady with it. I don't see it happening. The trade deadline is going to come up, and I think we're going to see names fly. Because there's a lot of teams that are in position to make a move they need to make a move that I don't think they'll they'll sit back and be like, you know, we'll wait till next year. I think with the, this being the weird season it is, I think it's time for the teams like, you know, the Denver Nuggets and, you know, guys like and teams like the Portland Trailblazers and, you know, teams like, you know, the Charlotte Hornets to actually make a legit move. Because this is a weird season, maybe you can, you know, fleece someone. I don't know. But there are teams that need to make trades, and one of them was being the Heat. The Heat need to make a trade, and they did. And to be honest, they stole Trevor Reza from the Thunder. They gave up Myers Leonard, who doesn't really see minutes anymore after his little, you know, debacle, and a second-round pick. That's the that Trevor Reza is the ultimate three and D guy. Trevor Reza, Andre Iguodala. And um, Jimmy Butler, all perimeter defenders. Why what that tells me? That tells me that they're they're waiting, they're ready for the Nets in the playoffs for those three guys, Durant, Irving, and Harden. They need to make a move, and they did. The Boston Celtics need to make a move. They need to get a guy like Harrison Barnes or Buddy Heald. They need they need they they just flat out need it if they want to make a move. And they can. Don't sit you can't sit here and tell me, oh, we're gonna wait a year and we'll try next year. These teams are they're businesses. They're on a they're on a time crunch. They need to win. And let me tell you, if the Boston Celtics, if you think the Boston Celtics are gonna sit back and say, ah, let's see what we got here. Uh, we'll, 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 just, we'll just go from here. It's not happening. Not with the Boston. Not with Boston fans. Boston fans, you are like, you need to make a move, and it better be tomorrow. Or it better be today. It can't be tomorrow. Danny Ainge is probably on that phone day and night trying to make a move. Teams like the Charlotte Hornets and um, and the Denver Nuggets, teams who are at the middle of the pack in terms of, you know, their seating, like at the six spot, six and five spot, they have assets on assets to get rid of to get guys. The Denver Nuggets. They got Monte Morris, Monte Morris, Will Barton, Gary Harris, and Michael Porter Jr. and picks. They have so many assets to go out and get someone. And that someone could put them over the top, and that's exactly what they need. They need a they need someone who can play with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, whether it's Kyle Lowry, 
Harrison Bonds. They need someone. And they have the assets to go do it. All right. If if the Nuggets want to win, this is this is the weird year that they win. This this could be the year. So don't be afraid. Go out and do it. The Charlotte Hornets, you're a fifth seed right now. It's a nice little fun team you got. But guess what? You got Terry Rozier, you got Gordon Hayward, you got LaMelo Ball. You got guys that are, you know, solidified players in this league. You got PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham, Cody Zeller, guys who are all coming up, not really Cody Zeller, guys who are all coming up into their own and raising the ceiling for your team. Go out and get that guy. You have the assets. Go out and get them. I don't see these teams just standing pat where they are. Especially teams like the Atlanta Hawks, who may who spent all this money in free agency just to do nothing. No. That's not happening. The I think there was a new management that came into Atlanta this season, and they made all these moves. So, like, hey, I want to win. I want to win right now. Let's go out and get this guy. Let's go get this guy. Let's go get Rondo. Let's go get Chris Dunn. Let's go get um, Marjanovic. And guess what? They, they're they not even in the playing tournament. If, if it was to enter. Oh, no, my bad. They're, they're on the AC right now. They need to win. And they have a bunch of assets to go get rid of, to go get someone that can help them win. I don't I don't see these teams just standing pat. This trade deadline, it will not be quiet, and I refuse to believe the opposite. Coming back, coming, <laughs> coming next, we're gonna take a small break. Uh, we'll take our last break actually, and uh, we're gonna talk about things that are happening right now. In the NF or in the NBA that you are seeing, and will stay the same. Please, please come back. Okay, we're back. Home stretch, home stretch. Talking about NBA, the things that we see now that will stay by the end of the season. What does that mean? Well, let me give you my first example. The Boston Celtics. Staying in the middle of the pack. They might move up. Currently, right now, March 17th, they rank 6th um, in the playoff order. And they move up to 5th or 4th. That's as far as they'll go. They will not be 3rd, 2nd, or 1st. I don't care how long Joel Embiid is injured, how long he stays out. They are not getting past fourth. Why? Quite simply, they don't have the talent to. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are two all stars that are really good. They're two all stars that are good players. But um, who do they got outside of that? I can't even say role players because they're not really role players. Robert Williams is just coming into his own. Daniel Tice has been solid for them. Other than that, that's about it. Kemba Walker could have 28 points one night. The other night, he could shoot 1 of 14. And I'm not even lying. I've seen it happen three times already. Kemba Walker's knee is not 100%. Every time he plays on the floor, as a Celtics fan, I watch him. And I say, once we're up by 10, I go, Brad, pull him. He needs rest. That man cannot play 30 minutes a night in the playoffs and be 100% healthy. On top of that, 
They just got Marcus Smart back, so you know maybe they'll make a little push to fourth. Um, I don't see them getting any any farther than that. Marcus Smart is a good player, but I don't know if you watched last night's game against the Utah Jazz. That man was struggling to shoot. Now he does provide um, a spark on defense, but man, you know the Celtics are missing. That third guy, and Kemba Walker really tries to be that guy, but he's too inconsistent. I got Marcus Smart is like, hey, I'll be the third guy. Give it to me. I'll show you. And you're, he's the definition of a fan going, no, 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 no. Yes, yes. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, he, he is a wreck. You love to have him on your team, but it can go overboard with it. But let's get away from all that. Can you name me another player off the Celtics roster besides who I've mentioned? Three, two, one. You can't, because they're not they're not got they're not role player type NBA guys. Grant Williams, Samuel Gillet get the most amount of minutes off the bench besides Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, and they do nothing. They run back and forth on the baseline to hit corner threes, and they can't even do that. All right? Tell me, who's going to come in for Kemba Walker when he needs that rest that I've been saying? Do you know who? Did you know Jeff Teague played for the Boston Celtics? Did you know Carson Edwards played for the Boston Celtics? Do you want to hear their stats? Oh, you know they're garbage. Well, let me just tell you anyway. Jeff Teague, in 31 games, averages 6 points per game. Alright? He averages 6 points per game. And let me tell you, he shoots at a whopping 37% from the field. Man, that's not good. Garson Edwards, the other backup point guard that, you know, tries to see minutes. I loved in college... But, man, he shoots 30% from three. Come on, Carson. Did you know Peyton Pritchard, the Celtics' first-round pick this year, and Aaron Neesmith, their other first-round pick this year, do you know what they average? Peyton Pritchard averages seven points per game, which is good. Aaron Neesmith, he averages four points per game and sometimes doesn't even see the floor. Pam Pritchard in 33 games averages 7 points per game. He's arguably, besides Tatum, Robert Williams, and Jalen Brown, their only bright spot. He's a rookie that does a little bit of everything. Definitely gives you 100% effort. But let me tell you, this roster is not built to go up against the Milwaukee Bucks or the Philadelphia 76ers. And I'm not even going to say the Nets because I think we all know the answer to that too. They're not... I can't compete with them. The Miami Heat, I don't think so as well. I don't think so. I think the roster have a better Heat. Uh, I think the I think the wow, I think the roster, the Heat have a better roster than the Celtics. And I'm gonna go on a limb and say that the Charlotte Hornets are close. I'm not gonna say they're better. They're close though of having maybe a better roster on paper. Maybe not better players, but on paper, they have more 
suitable role players and, you know, guys that contribute and all that kind of jazz. The Celtics need to make a move, like I said before, to put them in a predicament that will make them a higher seed. Because if they get the fourth seed, it doesn't really matter because they're probably going to go up against Miami, who's probably going to beat you in the first round. They need to get higher than a four seed to see the second round, in my opinion. And I just don't see them getting past that. I think they're a middle-of-the-pack team in the East who can't get out of their own way because they play too much iso ball and they're not healthy enough. Jason Tam still recovering from COVID. I just don't think they can't get out of their own way to move up. I don't. And I'm a, this is coming from a Celtics fan. I watch them every night. I do. And if they make the second round, then I'll tell you what, it definitely goes six to seven games. But let me tell you, they would not move past the fourth seed. They would not get any higher. Hurts for me to say that because I'm a Boston fan, but at least I'm keeping it real, right? The Heat is the second thing I want to talk about. Don't look now, ladies and gentlemen, but the Miami Heat are 9-1 in their last 10 games. Why is that? Because they got their dog back. They got Jimmy Butler back. Bam Adebayo's great. He's a good player. To be honest, should have been an all-star. But when I tell you, when you have Bam and Jimmy together, it, spell, it's, it smells like playoff season down there in South Beach. Jimmy Butler, Bam, Hero, Duncan. Even Kelly Olenek is putting minutes off the bench. Who knew? Uh, the, they have a bunch of guys on their roster who can just get valuable minutes. Valuable minutes. Right? Their rookie Precious. What a steal. What a steal. <coughs> what a steal for them. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, Precious, Andre Iguodala, and now Trevor Ariza. These are all guys I trust in the playoffs. And what does that mean? In the regular season, you can play all these guys too, which means that a lot of guys get some nice needed rest because they're not relying on their two stars, like say Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, to play 35 minutes a night. It's absolute. It's like a well-oiled machine down there in South Beach with the amount with the guys they have. Just the type of caliber of players that they have. They're all guys that don't shy away from the spotlight. What you're gonna see is them continue to rise because before they weren't even in the playoff tournament. They weren't even in the playing tournament. But all of a sudden they got Jimmy Butler back, and now they're the fourth seed as of today, March seventeenth. I think the Miami Heat have found something, and adding Trevor Reza can only bring positive things. Well done, Eric Spolstra. Well done. You got two all-star caliber players in Jimmy Butler and Bam on a bio, but on top of it, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that are all playoff material. All playoff material material that you rely and trust on. 
Lastly, I want to talk about is the Portland Trail Blazers. The Blazers are sitting sixth right now in the Western Conference, right behind the Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. Just ahead of the Spurs and Mavericks. What I think will stay the same is this type of production that Damian Lillard is having. The man scored 50 last night, put himself in the MVP uh, race. And let me tell you, the way the Trail Blazers, the way the Trailblazers are running right now is absolutely insane, in my opinion. Let's let's take a let's take a look at this. All right, I'm not saying the Blazers are going to get a fourth seed because I don't see them better than the Jazz, Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets. I do see them. Uh, if they were to play the Phoenix Suns, I can see them beating them. But I digress. I'm not here talking about that. What I'm talking about is the fact that Damian Lillard has willed this team to a sixth seed in the stacked Western Conference. Without C.J. McCollum, without Yusuf Nurkic, without Zach Collins, without Ronnie Hood at times, without Gary Trent at times, without Anis Cantor at times. Oh my God. The amount of work that this man Damian Lillard has had to do with, with, with no one around him. Harry Giles is out. Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic. These are all guys that help contribute. They just got CJ McCollum back last night. He missed over 20 games. And let me tell you, you're probably sitting to yourself saying, that's not really anything. What are you talking about? Steph Curry, an all-time great. Oh, he's like the top, in the top 20 best players to ever play the game. He's the best shooter ever. He's the two-time MVP, unanimous MVP. Yada, yada, yada. Sitting here today on a Wednesday, March 17th, 2021, he's not even in the damn picture for the uh, playoffs. He's outside looking in with no injuries. He's had everyone healthy besides Clay Thompson. You know, it's not like anything's changing. You know, Lillard hasn't had Nurkic for pretty much the whole season. He hasn't really had T.J. McCollum for the whole season. He pretty much missed all of it so far, except, like, the first 12 games. Uh, and guess what? Steph Curry is outside looking in while Damian Lillard has solidified his team in the sixth spot. He's doing more than anyone else in this MVP race is doing. And that's debatable to see because we don't know what Ben Simmons is going to do or what the 76 are going to do when Joe Embiid's absent. But I'm just saying he's doing more than any other player is doing in the MVP race right now. And I think he gets overlooked. I think the Blazers get overlooked because the Blazers kind of remind people of are they're like, oh, yeah, they're a playoff team and that's about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, well. You know, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, you know, the Mavs, and all these teams. Oh, yeah, the Blazers. The Blazers being there. They never look at the Blazers as a legit threat. Lest we forget, two years ago, they were in the Western Conference Finals. You know, sneakily. <laughs> um, and they've beaten teams like the Nuggets in the playoffs before. You know? Um, you know, they've, 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 they can go toe-to-toe with anyone. And the fact that they're sitting here at the sixth seed 
without basically everyone, I just think is amazing. And what you're going to see that will say the same is Lillard being an MVP candidate that will continue to put his team in playoff contention. And I don't see the Blazers dropping out of this playoff race. I don't see them really moving any higher, to be honest. But I'm not saying that in a bad way. Because in my opinion, I have all these teams. If you were to take the Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and you were to throw all their rosters at me on a sheet of paper, and you were to put the Blazers down, I'd probably take the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets better than them. I'd definitely take the Jazz better than them and the Suns better than them. They might have the sixth worst roster in that conference. Um, I'm sorry. They might have the worst roster in the playoff in terms of all the playoffs, but damn it, they got the they got a top five superstar in the league. And he's showing you why he's a superstar, because he's got this lottery made team into the playoffs. I don't know. I digress. Maybe that's just me putting more light on something that I want to see come true. Because like I said, I love watching Damian Lillard. But I just think he gets overlooked way too much. And with the stuff that he's had to face, I'm not even talking off the court either. I don't know if you read the article about how many people he's lost due to COVID these past 18 months. And it's, it's honestly ridiculous. I don't know how he's... Still playing night in and night out. He just kind of keeps it to himself. And, you know, he doesn't like to make excuses. But I'm not even talking about on off the court. I'm talking about on the court. He's missing teammates. And he's still getting it done. I don't know. I There's not a lot of, a lot you can say to make the argument what I'm, what I'm making for the other two teams that I made for the Celtics and the Heat. Like, I like to think those are two good arguments I've made. But in terms of the Blazers, I'm just trying to make an argument for something that doesn't really you can argue for because you don't really see it on a night-to-night basis because who's really watching Portland? You know what I mean? But I think he's doing a lot with very little, and I think he should not be the front row of the MVP race, but he should be at least number two or number three. And damn it, give him some respect. I know it was a very shaky episode, but thank you for listening to Mitch Media. Um, I try to do a podcast every other week. Um, We are still in the midst of this pandemic. Everyone, please stay safe. Wear your masks. Um, I hope this ends very soon because I am damn well sick of wearing one myself. Um, Everyone, you know, be safe, be happy, and um, thank you for listening. Thank you.